Chapter Ten of George Washington. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. George Washington by Ferdinand Schmidt, translated by George P. Upton. Chapter Ten, Washington before Boston. At this crisis congress felt that it must make one more appeal to the king this was done in a petition couched in the most respectful language it says we beg to assure your majesty that in spite of the sufferings of your loyal colonists during the present disagreement we still cherish such tender consideration for the kingdom to which we owe our origin that we are far from demanding any agreement incompatible with the dignity and prosperity of the mother country thus the english government had another opportunity of adopting a conciliatory course it did not do so london paid no attention whatever to congress the answer intended for the americans was to be written by howe's bayonets and the english government had no doubt that their general would soon report the downfall of the rebellion as they called this justifiable resistance in the meanwhile washington had appeared before boston an army chaplain has left us with the following characteristic picture of the american camp it is very diverting to walk among the camps they are as different in their forms as the owners are in their dress and every tent is a portraiture of the temper and taste of the persons who encamp in it some are made of boards and others are made of sailcloth some are partly of one and partly of the other again others are made of stone and turf brick and brush some are thrown up in a hurry others curiously wrought with wreaths and withes to his discomfiture washington did not find what he had hoped for the american army consisted of sixteen thousand men instead of twenty thousand as he had been told and of these only fourteen thousand were fit for military service he found brave men but not a homogeneous army instead large and small bands of men armed in promiscuous fashion under leaders who were totally independent of each other there was no artillery and even the most rudimentary military organization was lacking to make a military unit of this heterogeneous mass was the first task which lay before him it was to be expected that the solution of this problem would be attended with extraordinary difficulties he had to deal with sons of the forest who though brave were owing to their unrestrained and independent lives unused to military discipline such a task was not to be accomplished in a few days or weeks but needed a long time inside the city a picked body of eleven thousand men was quartered splendidly armed and well equipped with all that was necessary to carry on the war thus washington found more than enough work awaiting him from the first day of his arrival at headquarters he was now repaid for the careful training of his youth and his habit of conscientiously carrying out whatever he undertook of seizing upon the essentials of a matter and of persevering with strict attention and diligence to the end what industry strength firmness and patience were necessary to call forth that spirit 
without which harmony and action would be lacking and enduring success could not be attained under the existing circumstances there was at first no other course open to him than to imitate the method of fabius the delayer thus the year passed and nothing had been done by either side at the end of december a part of the american troops who had only enlisted for the current year demanded to be mustered out it was their right and washington let them go there were about ten thousand men left in the camp before boston while the enemy inside had in the meanwhile been strengthened by reinforcements from england the patriots of the country had no idea of the difficulties with which washington had to struggle many had expected to read in the newspapers of battles and victories during the first days of washington's command and now a year had passed and nothing had been done two of washington's letters of that time both of them to colonel reed give sufficient explanation of the situation the first letter says search the vast volumes of history through and i much question whether a case similar to ours is to be found to wit to maintain a post against the flower of the british troops for six months together without powder and at the end of them to have one army disbanded and another to raise within the same distance of a reinforced enemy it is too much to attempt what may be the final issue of the last manoeuvre time only can tell i wish this month were well over our heads the second letter is dated in february of the next year seventeen seventy six in which he says i know the unhappy predicament i stand in i know that much is expected of me i know that without men without arms without ammunition without anything fit for the accommodation of a soldier that little is to be done and which is mortifying i know that i cannot stand justified to the world without exposing my own weakness and injuring the cause by declaring my wants which i am determined not to do further than unavoidable necessity brings every man acquainted with my own situation feels so irksome to me at times that if i did not consult the public good more than my own tranquillity i should long ere this have put everything to the cast of a die so far from my having an army of twenty thousand men well armed etc i have been here with less than one half of it including sick furloughed and on command and those neither armed or clothed as they should be in short my situation has been such that i have been obliged to use art to conceal it from my own officers washington worked tirelessly over the reorganization of the army he paid heed not only to outward conditions accoutrements maintenance etc but he aimed to infuse a new spirit into the whole mass among his troops there were not a few wild fellows who led disgraceful lives washington issued an order which read as follows at this time of public distress men may find enough to do in the service of god and their country without abandoning themselves to vice and immorality it is a noble cause we are engaged in it is the cause of virtue and mankind every advantage and comfort to us and our posterity depend upon the vigor of our exertions in short 
freedom or slavery must be the result of our conduct there can therefore be no greater inducement to men to behave well but it may not be amiss to the troops to know that if any man in action shall presume to skulk hide himself or retreat from the enemy without the order of his commanding officer he will be instantly shot down as an example of cowardice cowards having too frequently disconcerted the best formed troops by their dastardly behavior in camp this order of the day was attributed to a determination on the general's part to risk striking a blow and it was so it was his intention to occupy dorchester heights overlooking the city on the night of the third to fourth of march while he heavily bombarded the city to distract the attention of the enemy the heights were occupied and immediately fortified this work was carried on with such zeal and success that the next morning at daybreak when general howe gazed up at the heights he could not conceal his amazement and broke out with the words the rebels have done more work in one night than my whole army would have done in one month washington was prepared for a furious onslaught from the enemy for dorchester heights commanded the town and therefore a repetition of the bloody fight at bunker hill was to be expected heavy rains for the next two days however prevented the british from advancing to the attack while the americans continued their work on the fortifications industriously when the storm had subsided and how again inspected the work on the heights he decided that he dare not risk an attack there was nothing left for him but the bitter alternative of evacuating the city and taking to the ships with his whole army immediately afterward washington entered boston the news of this event aroused the greatest joy all over the country congress determined to cause a gold medal bearing the relief of washington to be coined in commemoration of the liberation of boston with a humble heart the general thanked god for the victory that had been won he was happy in the conviction that this event would strengthen the confidence of the patriots he would have been glad to dispense with the honor which was to be paid him for he foresaw full well that the road to complete success in the establishment of independence was to be a long and arduous one. End of chapter 10